Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to A Medic's Mind, the podcast. Thank you very much for coming out. Sincerely appreciate it, as always. Hope you're all doing well. Uh, things are going pretty well for me. Uh, by pretty well, I mean the weather's been uh, incredible. And by incredible, I mean sunny. And any of you who know me or have followed the podcast will understand that I generally don't like sunny days. Uh, it's kind of been a thing in my life. The sun has not always played uh, a really upbeat and happy role for me. Uh, now, that being said, although I'm enjoying the sun now, I'm still a rain guy. I still like the clouds. I still like the overcast. So still feel free to hate me because I will wish for that weather any day of the week. Uh, but it has been nice. It has been beautiful. It's been nice to get outside and go for a walk. I uh, went around the lake shore today and I uh, got to walk around and hang out with a friend for a little bit. And then uh, when we parted ways, I uh, just walked around my neighborhood and looked at some of the houses that I'll never, ever, 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 ever be able to afford, uh, which is also nice in a way. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I uh, hope you guys are doing well. Um, hope you're out there, got a belly full of food, some hot coffee or tea, whatever it is. And above all, hope you're safe. Uh, this episode, I have a blog read for you. Uh, I wrote this uh, a few days ago on my on my blog. I had a conference in Toronto for the CMHA uh, Mental Health Conference. And uh, wow, what an experience. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I met some incredible people there. But there was, um, there was something in the background that kind of just simmered beneath the surface of my skin that was uh, that was kind of burdensome to me, and uh, I hadn't really talked about it. I hadn't talked to anybody about it. I hadn't told Heather. I hadn't told uh, Natalie or anybody else that was with me at that event, and I, it it didn't come out until I went to therapy on the following Thursday, and uh, and then I went home and I wrote about it because I needed to get it out, and uh, in turn, writing about it helped me um, come up with some different ways to kind of look at it. Um, the, the ending when I write about, uh, sort of the sort of more positive disposition, um, essentially that's me practicing something. I'm trying to practice talking to myself introspectively as though I'm a patient. So instead of belittling myself and berating myself, I'm trying to be a little more, more compassionate. I'm trying to be a little bit more, uh, um, friendly, I guess, towards myself. It's not a hundred percent, uh, effective, but I'm trying, I'm at least trying. And so the ending of this podcast or the ending of the blog read is essentially me telling myself these things. And, uh, hopefully you can relate to them. Hopefully they mean something to you. Um, I, uh, I, I had a, I don't want to say fun time because that's not it. I had a, uh, it was six hours. I spent six hours doing this podcast today. Um, (laughs) I, uh, not all in one go. I took some, like I said, I went for a walk and, and took some time outside, but I, I took me about six hours to edit it and do the things that I wanted to do to it. And I hope that, uh, it makes it a little more aesthetically pleasing to the ears when you're listening to it. So anyway, um, this is a blog read from my, my podcast on emeticsmind.com. Before I go any further, I just want to remind you that my book, A Medic's Mind, uh, being presented by Winter Tickle Press is available for pre-sale right now on indigo.com. If you go to indigo.com and search for A Medic's Mind, uh, the book will come up and it's on for pre-sale. And that is uh, going to be released October 15th and uh, of this year, October 15th, 2019. And uh, also exciting, my first official book signing has been has been booked. It's, it's, in, the, it's in the schedule October 19th. 
at Chapters Vega here in Mississauga. Chapters Vega in Mississauga, October 19th, 2019. My first official Amedics Mind book signing. So I would love to see you guys out there, whoever can make it. Uh, please let me know if you listen to the podcast. Let me know, uh, you know, uh, how you came to hear of me uh, or why you would like to get the book. Uh, I would love to chat with you guys. So please try to keep those dates in mind. October 15th of 2019 is when the book is released. And October 19th of 2019 is the first official book signing. So head over to indigo.com and look for A Medic's Mind as presented by Winter Tickle Press today. Thank you very much. Now, uh, the podcast blog read, it is called A Smile Hides a Frown. A Smile Hides a Frown. I wrote it the other day, and I hope you enjoy it. I was sitting uncomfortably within one of the chairs of the hotel lobby, my body sore and lamenting beneath my skin. I look presentable enough. Sure, I demand this of myself most days. I suppose one could argue that my dress and deportment are the lasting vestiges of my time as a soldier. Even when weighted by the sopping blanket of depression, I managed to don a pearl snap button-up from time to time. But depression was not my problem this morning. At least, not my biggest one. Hey, there he is. Matt, how are you? Heather's kind voice calls out to me from across the seating area of the lobby. Both she and Natalie were exiting the elevator doors and beginning to walk towards me. It was early, and we three acknowledged that fact without spoken word. We were at a hotel in downtown Toronto for a conference that we had been invited to speak at. I had arrived at the hotel the night prior so as to avoid any unforeseen complications with commuting to the event. Oh look, he's got a real drink. Heather remarks on the venti Starbucks coffee cup held within my hand. I cast a quick glance towards it before hastily and skillfully changing the topic of discussion. I could see that Natalie was stood behind a pushcart festooned with the needed gear and appurtenances for our contribution to today's festivities. Need a hand? I inquire with a head nod towards the cantankerous wheeled apparatus. I'm given permission to assist. How'd you sleep? Heather prods politely. Shitty. Nightmares. Ah, oh, that sucks. I'm sorry. She says, spoken through obvious sincerity. We keep walking. You see, nightmares happen so often for me that they have sort of become mundane conversation initiators. I admit to having had a nightmare and the person in receipt of said answer acknowledges, but knows this to be a common staccato of my nightly slumber. So it is easily glossed over as the conversation evolves. And why wouldn't it? Thing is, a smile can hide a frown and a smile that has been rehearsed with enough attention to detail can hide almost anything. And I was smiling. What Heather did not know was just how bad the nightmare was, and what it was still doing to me while I was awake. I hate hotels, and as stated, I had arrived the night before the conference, so this means a night in a hotel. I've gotten good at packing some things from home that are familiar or comforting. I pack the usual staples of an overnight stay, of course, but I also leave room for my PTSD pack. What's a PTSD pack? Well, it's a small bag filled with scented waxes and tactile objects such as an EMT patch and a rather plush teddy bear that goes by the name of... Ted. Yes, Ted from the movie. And yes, I'm a 36-year-old man who packs a stuffed animal on sleepovers. 
I do this because, as revealed already, nightmares are such a pervasive thing for me that it's almost a given that I will have one. And the nature of these abhorrent nocturnal mimeographs of the past are so troubling when at home, it has become almost necessary to bring tools with me to help navigate my panicked mind back to the present of here and now, when in places other than my room. At home, this is a chore. In a strange place with unknown sounds and light sources, it is a momentous challenge. David versus Goliath, if Goliath were unprocessed shards of lived experience. As we walked and made small talk, I did my best to hide the Starcop's coffee cup from view, not because I was afraid to be seen with it, but more so because I was apprehensive about divulging as to why I had chosen to get a $7 cup of coffee as opposed to the complimentary one offered at the breakfast buffet line. You see, it was early, like I said, but for me, this was just an arbitrary hour of the morning. I had been awake for several hours prior to meeting with the ladies in the lobby. I had time to walk the city and find a relatively nearby coffee shop, a superfluous statement to anyone from Toronto. But the part I did not release to Heather or Natalie was that I had been walking the dampened streets of the city for approximately three hours because I was afraid to remain in my hotel room. I had tucked myself into bed at a rather respectable hour on the evening before the conference. I had done so with the best of intentions, getting a good night's rest, and then wake with plenty of time to ready myself for the day and its activities. This, of course, was all good in theory. My flagitious mind, however, had other animus intentions. My eyes closed and the surroundings of the world proceeded to fade from view. I could hear my breathing, slow and deliberate. I felt the weight of a day lift from my burdened body, and the fibers of the bed pulled me into the land of rest. Sleep now. Sleep. In no time at all, images of the world came flooding back. It was not a darkened hotel room that materialized into view, though. It was a hallway, anathematized by years of exhaled cigarette smoke, and a room off to my left that threw a beam of light from it. I neared that beam and that room, knowing full well what was inside. A dead girl, suspended by a rope. At least, that's what dispatch had told me to expect. And they were right to do so. I enter into the room and see a young girl whose life has been squeezed free by a crude cord tied into a noose. I felt the lifeless chill of her skin pass through my gloves as I checked for signs of life. When I was somberly confident that she was indeed beyond my help, I withdrew myself from her side and went to relay this to the policeman that had been standing behind me. When I spoke, he ignored me, not an act performed by will or apathy. He was stricken with mesmeric consternation. I followed his gaze and turned my head towards what had captivated his attention. It was the girl's suicide note, written in red lipstick and scrawled atop of the bathroom mirror. Her last hastily written memoir trundled atop of our reflections, a sight that I will likely never forget. At this point in the dream, my body jettisons from the constraints of the comforter. I am awake. I am breathing horribly fast and my body is kissed by a sweat like a field coated in an autumn morning dew. I am standing beside the bed, 
begging for calm to come to me. I feel the best course of action is to go to the bathroom and spritz some cold water onto my face. I scamper into the hotel bathroom and proceed to do just that. However, something catches my groggy gaze. Something red. Something terribly out of place. With the water still running and droplets falling from my face, I ascend my gaze towards the mirror. I hope you see me forever. The last line of a dead girl's note, written in lipstick across my hotel mirror, stapled to my face. Panic sets in. Breathing becomes so fast that it nears absence. I turn to run, frozen. I cannot move. My feet will not budge. My body will not twist an inch. I am cemented in place. Scream, I think, but nothing happens. I try again. Nothing. One more time, and to my elation, it works. I am screaming. I am also no longer in the bathroom. Strangely, I have teleported back into the now dampened sheets of my hotel bed. I guess I was not as awake as I had thought. I turned the TV on, but merely as background noise filler to combat the deafening silence. As enough time passes, I feel I need to use the bathroom. Instinctually, I begin to make my way there, but I am halted by a sudden remembrance of what I had just seen. The logical me knew that there was nothing written on the mirror within the hotel bathroom, but snake-bitten me feared oh so terribly of being wrong, and once again seeing the red lettering of a dead girl's lipstick. As such, I did not move another inch. More illogical fallacies began to plague my thinking space. I thought of the girl as I had found her on that day, all those years ago, draped atop of the bathtub's ledge. I combated these inane flashes of thought by willing myself to enter the bathroom and stand in the middle, taking in the blandness with my eyes. See? There's nothing. No dead girl. No letter. You're fine. Stop being a pussy. Despite my upbeat pep talk, I was unable to fathom the concept of using the shower or the bathtub. So, what I'm saying is that as a grown man, I was afraid to shower and truly ready myself for the day. I was also growing increasingly agitated and fearful of the room itself, and thus I threw on some jeans, a button down, and walked out into the bustle of a sleepless city. Kindred spirits, I guess. So you see, this is why I had a $7 cup of coffee as opposed to the free one. That was why I hid the drink from view. I felt ashamed and embarrassed that I was about to partake in a conference about mental health, all the while unshowered, illogically stricken by nefarious thoughts of ghosts and their letters. I was petrified to explain that I was too afraid to stay in my room. I'm a tall guy, some may even say strapping, but that morning I felt no bigger than a granule of sand. But I was smiling, skillfully, and a smile hides a frown, doesn't it? This made answering the question posed by the polite gentleman at checkout all the more burdensome. How's your stay, Mr. Hennigan? Everything uh, work out all right for you? I smiled and said yes. I never told Heather or Natalie of this. In fact, I only spoke of it today while sat within my therapist's office. And I guess the reason I'm writing about it now is because it's all right to not be okay. 
It's okay to be strong and not feel as though you are for a moment. I experienced something horrible and I'm feeling its effects. That's not weakness, that's humanity. And the strongest thing we can do is feel. I won't lie and blow sunshine up your wahoos and say that I'm not ashamed or embarrassed by these things. I am. But I have hope that in time, I will feel less of that and more of the strength that I witnessed at that conference. That if I keep talking, if I keep sharing and working through it, I will eventually find my way to the other side of trauma. I don't know when, I don't know how, and I don't know what that looks like. But at least I know it's possible. And now, so do you. A smile hides a frown, but it also has the power to lift one, too. And I am smiling. Maybe not today, but I am.